My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Once upon a time in the ancient, ancient past, there was a common language shared by all people. Now we remain isolated, speaking tongues of Babel, babbling on towards one another, pushing this progress forward, progress towards what we don't know. Today's guest, Tom Blue Wolf, is an earth keeper, a wisdom keeper, and a bright soul who's here to inspire us to use our words to reach new heights. I'm Mystic Mark, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Enjoy this conversation with Tom Blue Wolf. fully believe that the earth will be fine. You know, she's got all the time in the world. No matter what we do to her, she'll recover. It may take 400 million years, but that's all she's got is time. She'll recover. It's really life as we know it. It's the people that can become extinct. I mean, it's the trees that we can kill them all. You know, it's, it's these kinds of things I'm thinking about. This dream you know, our, our bodies are always dreaming. We live in this dream world. Our brain is like always dreaming. We dream when we're asleep. We dream when we're woke. We, we, we go from a night dream to a daydream. You know, we, we just, we dream. And so this is the dream I love. I love this place. I love the clean water. I love the air. I love the plants. I love all the critters. I love this place. It's this that I'm concerned about and our relationship with it. I mean, all the people become extinct. We leave the world. 
Maybe that's what's supposed to happen. It'll be perfectly fine without us. Look what's happened to her with us. So it's up to us to think that we're not doing this. I mean, we, we fool ourselves sometimes, I believe, even though Earth Keepers is my, my baby. Because really, it's, it's the humans that we're concerned about. You know, other critters seem to have an innate knowledge of how to live in harmony with the Earth. It's us that have gotten this confused, you know, misrepresentation of who we are and what we're doing here and how we're supposed to live in harmony with this dominant culture mentality of exploiting and exploiting and trees become board trees of lumber and the land becomes real estate. You know what I mean? It's just like everything becomes a resource, a commodity, something to exploit and expand on. To own, yeah. So we get away from that and go back to the natural elements and our place in that hope and so it's saving the earth is I think a metaphor for taking care of each other you know our people we never had a jail we never had a hospital no children ever went without a bed there was always somebody to love on somebody you could love on I mean that's that's to me that's the future I mean we spent so much money on budget and war. I mean, we, we spent enough money to give every child in the world health care for the rest of their lives. We spent enough money to feed the entire world. I mean, there's enough money out there to take care of all of the human issues. And once we get away from the fact that we need to support and promote toxic lifestyles. It's a huge dilemma, and I don't know if there is any answer um, in a huge sense. What I feel is the answer, in a real sense, is for each person to take a look at their own lifestyle and go to work on themselves. Become the change that we want to see in the world, and this has been said so many times, that's where it begins. Because, I mean, you can't, my grandfather said it simply, he said, you know, you don't go out there and try to carpet the world, just get yourself a good pair of shoes, you know, and go at it. And this is, uh, this is where it's at, I mean, you can try to change other people, but it's a lifelong pursuit, it's like, it's like trying to fill the Grand Canyon with marbles. You know, there's, there's no end in sight. So, but you can do something about the way you live, and that becomes contagious. Other people say, "Well, you look happy. You seem wonderful. I mean, everything around you says yes. I want that." Well, here's anyone that it like ripples. Tom Blue Wolf, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. It's uh, truly a pleasure to have you here. I would like to know where 
you got that name and and where you're from, where you grew up, and and how you you grew accustomed to following the moon, as you described in such a lovely way. Well, I was uh, born in Alabama, in the southern part, and a uh, long time ago, the town I was, village that I was born in is not even there anymore. I sometimes I forget how long I've been here, but I was uh, I was raised there till I was about twelve, and then I started traveling and uh, my name came to me by way of my grandfather you know it's kind of strange in this country the way that we were uh, you know our lifestyles because it's kind of nations within nations, you know. There's probably close to 600 nations, one way or the other, mm. in the United States and Canada. Native, you know, cultures, tribes, bands, clans. And yet, in the United States, you know, uh, they consider themselves a nation, so... You know, Social Security numbers, the Department of Justice, the Department of Interior, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, you know, all these government departments are regulating because, you know, there was a census and all the natives went to a reservation and basically kind of like an internment camp or a detention center or a prison camp, you know, depends on how you look at it. And... Uh, so as time went on, 100 years later, 150 years later, you know, there's it's kind of a loose compared to those days situation, even though from a legal standpoint, there's all kinds of injustice, uh, you know, between the United States and reservations. It's pitiful. Uh, I had a prison ministry for many years in the federal prison system and met so many Native boys who had stories about, you know, it's just, it's like a horror show. It's like an injustice. It's like crazy. So that's a whole culture. It's a whole lifestyle within the lifestyle of what people would consider a normal upbringing, whatever that means. You know, I've heard it from so many people. You go to the... You go through the school system, the Department of Education, you know, you watch TV shows, everybody else watches, and you go to the movies, and you, and so you have this cultural kind of uh, template. And, uh, and you know, uh, what do you call it? I, we call it a colonial mindset, mm. you know, where a tree is not a living organism necessarily on the first consideration it's actually board feet of lumber mm, right and the forest is just future real estate deals you know those kinds of mindsets create uh you know uh, a fatal scenario for the for the mother you know right the materialists and, yeah so, so that so that's themselves. given that as a backdrop you know for a person being brought up you got to remember, you know, this 
Native American Religious Freedom Act was only passed in 1978. I mean, before that, it was a felony. So that's not that long ago in my world. Right. And so, um, but having said that, you know, my, uh, my grandfather uh, trained hunting dogs and, and he had wolves as well uh, with this railroad that they was using to like an underground railroad to get the wolves back out to Yellowstone because people were shooting them, you know. You get a lot of money for a wolf pelt. So anyway, as a child, when these, this is a long story. <laughs> we got time. When got these, time. Uh, when I was a little fella, I saw all these dogs and wolves in these pens and they were all howling and scampering around, you know, and so I, I thought they wanted to get out. So I let them out. And they take off into the woods and everybody got really angry, you know, because they were, they had, you know, they had plans for these critters, you know, that they locked them up for a reason in hindsight. But I wasn't thinking about their reasons. I was thinking about how desperate they looked like they wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. I was what, eight years old, you know. So, but I did that repeatedly for, I guess, too long a time. Until my grandfather said, you know, one day we're going to have to change his name. Because up until that point, they called me Dooney. Dooney. And Dooney is like a, well, it was like a colloquial term amongst a native thing. It meant kind of like pest or a scamp or a brat, you know. And so that's what they called me. So my grandfather says, as long as we keep calling him that, he's probably going to keep being that. We have to live, give him a name that he can live into. Mm. And so uh, in the culture of the people, blue is a color, but more than that, it's a feeling. What, what do you feel when you see a blue sky? You know, how do you feel when you see blue water? You know, that's what it is. And uh, it's, it's not a wolf necessarily when you say blue wolf. It's the feeling you get. Let's say that you could live in a place where it was not uncommon for you to look up and see a wolf silhouetted on a mountaintop with the moon backdrop howling, you know, oh, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's not the wolf. It's not the moon. It's whatever that feeling that people get when they would look at something like that. Everybody feels something when they see that, but whatever that is, that's what it is. And so the full name is blue wolf that walks in the dreams of the people. That's the name. And so the feeling was as long as I dreamed of good things and was around people who dreamed of good things, I could have a good life. If, if if I was not around people who could dream, then I would basically disappear somehow or another. I would not be seen. You know, I would not have any gravity. Well, I think you're in good company now. Good. <laughs> wow, that's...
That's beautiful. How do you feel about uh, maybe the modern colonial mindset association with blue and blues or sadness or feeling blue? I mean, you've heard that term before, surely. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, when you start looking at it like that, I, I, you know, I'm all over that. I think that's I think it's all true, mm. you know, because, you know, I think people, red with anger, green with envy. You know what I mean? You hear all oh, these. Yeah. Um, so the colors have, you know, been associated with emotions uh conceptually but if it becomes inherent in the language so that it be you become that it's kind of different right it's kind of like uh talking about somebody or talking to somebody you know mm. and um uh you know but you do have people who, whether or not they can articulate it well enough to have other people understand. I have seen many, many musicians and artists and sculptors and environmentalists and mothers and fathers, you know, who who are sentient beings who you can just see the compassion and the love and the forgiveness and the respect and the dignity, you know, that they give that they give to life. And that's, I think, the main thing. Absolutely. And I'm glad we're starting on this foot because I've heard you in the past talk about language and its importance and how the native, the indigenous language, you know, there are many varieties, but uh, I've heard you say, and I'd love for you to expand on this, that there weren't violent there weren't words for violence or deceit or, you know, sort of these, what we would associate with lower expressions of humanity because the language was oriented towards life and the growth of life. And, and in order for a human to grow, they need to love and be kind and, and be shown that. And what a more beautiful and effortless way to do that than by creating a language which emphasizes that. It seems like the, the language we're speaking now, if anything, seems to emphasize illusion and glamour and, and, and you know, selfishness to some degree. Yeah, well, you're right. You know, the, all those words are available. You just use some of them. And, um, you know, words like maybe and try and should and doubt and and then curse words and lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, scheme, plot, deceive. Mm. All those words that that are nefarious in their character and that, that allow people to be corrupt. Because you can talk about it. You know, you can say, let's go steal that television set. You know, let's go, let's blow that car up and rob that bank. You can say stuff like that. But in, um, in native languages, now... Here's the thing, I want to set this up, you know, language has been going on forever, right? You know, the, mm. the voice, the word. And um, it's like a stream of consciousness. It's like, it's like water, you know. You try to grab it, you know, you try to hold it, you know, with an open hand, it's not possible. So I'm going to take a snapshot out of a, out of a transient, uh, evolution, you know, ascension of the human language and try to say some things in English, which I'm 
which I'm not, you know, as well versed in as I'd like to be, to say, you know, that um, this is a snapshot. What I have observed in my life and based on stories that I've heard from elders, you know, I actually knew my great grandfather who was, you know, alive in 1840. <laughs> wow. And uh, so don't seem that long ago when I heard stories as a little boy from this man that was over a hundred years old, you know, mm. and, um, but now when you look back at 1840, it seems like, you know, might as well be prehistoric. I mean, that was before the civil war. And, um, so anyway, having said all that, once upon a time, the language was such that the primary focus was relationship. Survival was not an issue. Um, what was uh, important was the quality of life, you know, the character, yeah, whether you were honest, integrous, you know, respectful, dignified, loving, kind, gentle, reverent, you know, loving, forgiving, merciful person. The more of those characteristics you exhibited, the more you were loved by the people, and eventually they would make you a chief because you had the best character of anybody. Everybody agreed. You were the kindest guy of all, you know, the most judicious, you know, the mo the fairest or whatever the, whatever the term would be for somebody that everybody trusts, you know. And so um, that as a way of life, we have words down here. Well, you have Connecticut. That's a native word. I right. forget what it means. Something about a river. Yeah, yeah. If I, what I've read is that it meant uh, great river, or they say that about a lot of native words. Yeah, There's like another meaning that uh, curvy. I think what I heard was like crooked river or something like that. Twisted mm. river. Well, whatever. you know, the story behind the river is more fascinating than the name. According to the natives who lived here, mm -hmm. they say that. Uh, Hobomok, who is, you know, sort of like the nature spirit uh, god, uh, he was a giant in, in the ancient past when this story takes place, whenever this was. And he was angry and, and stomped his foot and rerouted the Connecticut River. So now it's crooked in that way. It used to flow yeah. into what's the Quinnipiac River is. And, and along the Quinnipiac River is, uh, is a mountain that's known as sleeping giant because it's shaped like a, well, a man lying on his back. So that's uh Hopomoko himself. And, and yeah, Connecticut is, is you're absolutely right. A, a native word. Well, imagine if that was the language, right? So, I mean, for instance, down here, we have, a, I live in a, in a, on a, I chose my living place not by Georgia or the county. I, I, I gauged it by the watershed. Mm. I looked for the cleanest watershed, you know, uh, in this area. And so I'm on it. I'm in it. And it's called the Conasauga watershed. And Conasauga means this is where we pray. So we have a place that's an overlay it's called Nantehela, Nantehela, or however how it's pronounced along the way. 
Now it's Nantehela. Nantehela means it's a rhetorical question, as I'm told, that it means don't the sun look good shining to the trees all day? Now they've named a river after it. They named a national forest after it. See, but we never really had names of places. We had uh, ways of expressing our relationship with such a place. Mm, right. So Oak Mulgee. Now there's a mound down in Macon, Georgia, and there's a river down there called the Oak Mulgee River. Mm. Oak Mulgee means this is where we bathe. And so Kanasaga means this is where we pray. And don't the sun look good shining through the trees all day? There's a place down here called Nunya Gunyawaske. And it means the place where the rocks talk to us. Then there's another place. This used to be a province. Look, the place was broken up. Turtle Island was broken up into provinces, more or less. People may have, you know, controversial concepts around this, but this is just the story that I'm told. I believe it's probably all true, but um, that it was broken up into provinces, and the one here in the southeast was called Wale, and Wale means a little piece of heaven. And so, not far from me, there's a place called Kusawatiya, and it means the place where the peaceful people gather. So you can imagine if you were talking to somebody and they just said, who are you and where are you from? And you said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with the peaceful people. And I come from a place where we pray, where the sun looks good shining through the trees all day, where the rocks talk to us. A little piece of heaven where the peaceful people gather. And so that's that's a conversation. But look what you've done. You've introduced people to a beautiful relationship because there's no ownership around that. And it's not at any particular place. It's anywhere where you, it's kind of like that old saying, you don't see the world the way it is. You see the world the way you are. And so, uh, if you're looking at things and you say, where do you live? You say, I live at a place where the cardinals fly by every season. I live in a place <laughs> where the wind makes me feel good. I, wear, I live in a place where I like to feel the rain on my face. And uh, I'm just thinking, what a beautiful lifestyle. What a beautiful way to spend time on this rock, you know just enjoying it and finding more and more ways to love it, more and more ways to care for it, more and more ways to shepherd it, more and more ways to be a steward on this journey. And I was told, you know, within that, that uh, you don't dance to arrive at a destination, you dance to enjoy every step of the way. And so that is kind of the... Um, I'm going to say mindset, at least of the family that I was, uh, that I came to. And, uh, the, you know, the band, when we met for our, you know, gatherings, this was the way it was talk talked about. This is the way it was told. And um, I love it. And so when I hear people use irony and satire and, you know, all those kind of, I don't know what you would call it, 
ways of changing the meaning of what it is you're saying so that you can express you know whatever that expression is to be satirical you know or cynical or because i don't i've never met you know the native people that speak the language do that be like that <laughs> you know I may mean, have that feeling it's you know they just are honest you know they just tell you this is this is what it is this is this is what it is mm. it's, it's very simple you know and so it's quite easy it's a lot easier than anything to just tell the truth right. you know once you start making up stories i mean there's no end right. so just be like the be like the trees you know be like the animals i mean i've never met a bear that tried to convince me it was a coyote <laughs> you know what i mean they're honest they're 110 percent. right but people now you can meet people and they'll tell you there's something they're not you know and you can see what they are you look right at them but they're trying to tell you there's something else and you and the and the the more the closer to the political arena they become the more like that they become it's kind of a bizarre you know characteristic of politicians to say one thing and be another and uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. So that's the colonial mindset. You know, you got to have a winner. You got to have a loser. Right. But in the native set, you know, it's like the, the Zulu call it Ubuntu. Uh, I am because we are. And so they really, they, they're just beautifully community oriented. And that's what has to happen, you know, for all of us to get along. We have to fall in love and have a community. What if you were in a community where everyone felt like their needs were met and everybody loved each other? Right. That don't sound possible. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds beautiful. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, sure, I'd like to live in a place where everybody just felt comfortable, like they all had what they needed. Nobody's out trying to, you know put something together because it's all just happening just like it's supposed to and everybody agrees and so we spend a lot of time laughing and dancing and singing and you know foraging and and gathering and and loving on each other you know what i mean and just say days go by and what the heck. so uh people say well don't you have any ambition and i'm thinking yeah you know i want my ambition is that I want to leave a footprint and a legacy that my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren can enjoy for seven generations to come. That's my ambition. And uh, I think that once upon a time, that was not an uncommon ambition for most everybody, mm. you know. They wanted, the, they wanted to keep the dream alive. I mean, you could learn a lot from honeybees, <laughs> you know. We want to keep the dream alive. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that an acorn, you know, dreams about being an oak tree. I'm happy that you can't count the apple trees and an apple seed. <clears throat> I like all that. You know, I think that gives life such a deep, you know, kind of romantic love affair. Mm. If it's true that uh, humans are the universe kind of getting to know itself, then I'd say 
I'd go for the deepest, most meaningful relationship you could come up with. <laughs> I mean, it's life. I mean, what a miracle. We're riding on the third rock from a dwarf star. We're spinning at 1,200 miles an hour, approximately, according to NASA. And we're traveling 68,000 miles an hour through an infinite universe, and no one knows where we're going. <clears throat> I'd call that a cosmic joyride for sure. <laughs> and so that being the case, and you think we're only going to be here for a little while, you hear figures like 200 million light years, and you try to think about that, and you just say, well, wow, that's a long time. You know, that's how far we are from our first milestone at the Virgo cluster, 200 million light years. So we got some time. And so each one of us is here, what, 50 years, 100 years, maybe, if we're lucky, 120 years, maybe. But the people just come and go so fast, it's hard to say. But if you look at the past, what, even the past 150 years. So the fact that you're sitting there and I'm sitting here and we're talking to each other is an indication uh, for the reason why we celebrate in ceremony because you obviously, like myself, came from a successful lineage of people who somehow avoided the incredible genocide that's been going on on this planet forever, seems like. Mm. But your ancestors somehow avoided it long enough to have a baby. And here we are, the, the end result of, of thousands of years of ancestry, lineage. I mean, right. what are the odds? Millions and billions of people are just wiped off the face of the earth. I mean, when the, after, 19, after 1492, thousands and thousands of cultures in the New England area were just erased all their songs, all their stories, all their knowledge, all their beautiful whatever is just gone. And the same thing happened in Africa, the same thing happened in Australia, same thing's happening in South America. And so, um, but we believe those of us who are here now, whether we are aware of it or whether we take the opportunity to, to you know, um, respond, that we're kind of chosen. You know, how did that happen? How did we avoid a zig and zag and bob and weave for thousands and thousands of years so that we could be here in 2023? For what reason? See, we think, well, you know, it's all random. I don't believe that. I believe that you, you, you have the gift. You may not exercise it. You may not, you know, uh, want to uh, or decide to use it but everybody has like what we call medicine a, some kind of good medicine that when it's communicated into the community people feel better <laughs> you know everybody's got something and so finding that and uh, and having that make you just feel like you can't wait to get out of bed in the morning and go spread the love you know that um you're just wasting everybody's time. And so um, that's, uh, that's how we feel about uh, the language. You see, because once you start doing that and talking like that and, and responding in those ways, 
what all of a sudden that's what you talk about you can only talk about the things you've experienced you can't you can't there's no rumors there's no gossip you know if you didn't experience it you don't talk about it there's no words for it there's no conceptual you know what i mean you don't want to sit around and conceive of something because you, you're too busy being present and aware of what's happening right in that moment because what i've been told is this moment is all there is and that anything in the future anything in the past is you know a mental coyote <laughs> the coyote running back and forth and uh, so to be present is to be you know to be uh, like the eagle you know the heart aware it's not easy to do in this world today i mean there's so many distractions and derailments and detachments and such but but i think that's the goal is to be present you know show up be present and watch the magic unfold absolutely yeah and in this time you know when people feel isolated we look at our, our language now with this wisdom and this medicine you shared with me, and I start to realize like how de-emphasized relation is in our language and, and how people have become identifying more and more in these fractions when the truth is we are all here we're all united as you say we're all chosen just by you know fate as they want to tell us i agree with you it's not random tom and and i think that you know mother nature for me has been calling you know my whole life i never really i guess acted on it in a way that was uh <laughs> life-changing until i quit my job and and started hosting this podcast and you know what that made time for was it made time for exploration and pretty soon I found a, a lady who liked me and liked doing the same thing and now she's been my girlfriend of the past two years and her and I have gone and explored all these places throughout New England and unfortunately yeah a lot of uh, the beautiful people and the culture that was here has been lost but there still are remnants of it and uh it's amazing what is just waiting to be found you know when when you're curious enough to go out looking for it i'd love to show you a picture after our conversation is over of this uh petriform that we found uh that's shaped like a bird it's it's what we're calling mm. a, a bird stone and it's mm. it, it's massive and it's aligned with this uh, Hamanasset line that certain authors have identified as a Native American sort of pathway that marked the equinox and it has you know hundreds of cairns that line this path that goes from the Great Lakes down through New York through Connecticut to the tip of Long Island and all along this path are, are various stone structures and Native American ceremonial sites and we were just serendipitously driving down the road and and saw this amazing thing that made us pull over. And upon further examination, uh, I realized what I was looking at was some sort of uh, Native American ceremonial site. And yeah, I think that's 
a part of what we all need to be doing is going within to who our true selves are and, and what our true purpose is. Maybe for me, it was stumbling around in the woods looking for these stones. Maybe it's different for you, the listener, whoever's listening to this, but we all need to, to find that uh, initiative and, and follow our intuition, our instinct. You know, how, how would you describe that instinct, that intuition feeling that we feel, you know, the kind of feeling that pulls us to listen to a show like this? Well, <clears throat> I think uh, that we all carry ancestors around inside of us, maybe at least a thousand, maybe more floating around in our blood, a DNA, you know, the memory, the memory of all the memories of all of our relatives is inside of us somewhere. You know, we have a very small percentage of access to that information, typically. There are activities in life that can happen that can expand that awareness, whether it's a close call with death, plant medicine, or just falling in love, then you start remembering the good things. Because um, the truth is we are the ancestors of the future. You know, we're only going to be here for a little while and we're going to be ancestors for the rest of time. And so for us, this is kind of like a training ground, you know, like how do you become a good ancestor? You know, that's the, the em emphasis on the character profile that you want to, that you want to live into. And so the instinct to me or the intuition would be uh, taken care of and something that's been missing a lot in the this country is ceremonies, rituals, and rites of passage that allow that part of you that knows there's something more to life than what we see, what we hear. It really becomes apparent, especially in a group in a in a gathering of people of like mind who are going through the ceremony of the initiation of that awareness uh you know at any given time especially if it's in, in concert with the stars and the moon and all of the other because you know the whole place is alive and aware of itself and so we want to include as much of it as we can and then we become that <laughs> And so that instinct, that intuition actually becomes us expressing our ancestral memory and being committed and, and um, motivated by the legacy that we're inevitably going to leave. And so why not, you know, be a steward over that legacy and have it be rich and beautiful and loving and something your children and your children's children are going to want to you know, it's kind of like, the, the, oh, no, it's another level. I saw a bumper sticker on this guy's car, and it said, I want to be the kind of man my dog thinks I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a part of that, you know, in all of us, you know, whatever it takes to make us fall in love. Is Fortunately, our, I love those four-legged guys. I love the dog people. And so they are very... 
you know, good teachers for people. I think that's why you see so many of them, you know. They put people in touch with that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's something magical about the relationship between human beings and animals, particularly dogs. And it's unfortunately that they've fallen victim to that same colonial mindset, that scientific sort of materialism that's not so scientific. Uh, you know, this idea that these animals are our property and not living beings with their own soul and their own destiny. And yeah, it's, it's something that I've spoken about on this show several times, the uh, propensity for these animals to arrive in your life at certain moments. You know, I, I, I can recall several encounters with coyote that were, I mean, just very strange uh coyotes running in the road next to my car uh coyote running past my girlfriend and i as we're in the forest not once but twice uh and then uh, uh, you know me personally coming across bears uh seeing red hawks standing in the road uh, as we drove by you know sort of kind of uh posturing at us saying don't come near my roadkill <laughs> as we s slowly drive our car by and it's just those moments that you have encounters with these beings that uh you know like your eight-year-old self freeing those wolves you know you have to uh consider their effect and their influence their ancestry their energy and and how it blends into our lives and our you know uh, duty really to protect them and and live in harmony with them i mean i'm not i'm kind of waxing poetic here i'd love for you to elaborate on this well you know I've, what i've you know i've just been on a long and strange journey for sure but one of the things that I've noticed since, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, And I think so. But what I feel like now is if, like I said earlier, you know, if we're in a community of people who feel like all their needs are being met and they all love each other in the most, in, you know, in the deepest way, like, I am you being me, we are the people, you know, and so you you create ethics and morals and value-based decision-making skills through ceremonies and rituals and rites of passage by honoring each other and honoring life itself and respecting all of life and including the star people and the moon and the sun and all the planets. and. You include everything. You include the mycelium and the water and the stones and the lightning and the thunder. It's all part of this incredible journey. And so it's all beautiful. And no one thing is more important than the other. It's all critical to the success of the whole thing. And so that creates um, a really beautiful kind of, of feeling, a safe, wonderful place for children you know, to grow up in. And I think if we have this child-friendly kind of... Um, I, I tell you, I woke up one time in a village in Zimbabwe, well, a long time ago. It was 
my first trip to this one village. And they live in these little huts called crawls. They're like little kind of clay and rock kind of round uh, structures with straw roofs or some kind of weed. I think it was straw or bamboo or something. It was a roof and a door, and it was round, kind of like a ceremonial lodge. Maybe 15 people could have slipped on the floor, you know. It was that big. So I'm laying there, <clears throat> you know. I, I got in late that night. Next morning, the sun started coming up, and the first thing I heard was this thumping sound, rhythmic, like a, like a deep drum, you know. Dum, 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 you know, like that. So I'm laying there, I'm wondering what that is, you know. <laughs> And then a few minutes later, I heard this like, and I'm thinking, it sounds like a percussive section warming up, you know? And then, then another sound came in, and then another sound came in, all rhythmic and all in sync. And so I said, you know, I got to check this out. So I got up and I walked outside and right in front of my crawl, the world, well, the crawl I was sleeping in, um, this guy was pounding with a big mortar and pestle, and he was grinding corn. Boom, boom. You know, he just big old like it was a huge softball bat, and he was pounding it down inside this wooden bowl where there was a bunch of corn, and he was making cornmeal. Next to him was a lady that was sitting with a backstrap loom with a shuttle, and she was passing it back and forth with such speed and effort that it was making kind of this sliding sound, like a rattle, like that. And all around in front of each crawl, somebody was doing something like that. They were making food. They were weaving. They were making pots. They were you know, just doing something to keep the dream alive. But they were doing it in such rhythmic uh, performance that in the center of this horseshoe-shaped circle that the village was in was a well. And all these children, there must have been 30 or 40 of them, dancing all around the well to the rhythm that the people were making in creating the day they were about to have. I about flipped out. I just thought I was in dreamland. I said, you know, you dream about stuff like this, thinking, wouldn't it be sweet if that was happening? And that was happening. I mean, I had to, like, squint, look at it, pinch somebody, pinch me. <laughs> Am I really in a village where this is act the daily activity, people just loving life and loving each other, and nobody wanted anything other than just to keep going with this? You know what I mean? The the uh, consciousness of the of that community was just like we're saying it was like i am because we are right ubuntu and um so i that affected me to the point that i feel it i see it and that's and i'm thinking all you got to do is feel it and see it and then you become it you know what i mean it's like uh, when i came back over here and started these uh, centers for healing and whatnot, little places. Um, it's um, it's like this, you know. 
once upon a time we had so many sacred sites um and we're losing them you know i don't know i don't play walmart all, all these people you know they build their shopping centers on top of sacred sites on top of places where we used to get salt and all those kinds of things you know we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sacred sites just 40 50 years ago now they've been reduced to you know i'm going to say maybe 150 and that might be generous and so running around trying to save those sacred sites is obviously not successful so i really believe what we need to do and this is something i think we should all get involved in you know once that we get on the same page of understanding that we are the ancestors of the future we all should start creating sacred sites find a place and turn it into a sacred site make it sacred you know um and maybe other people join you there and then other people join you you know what i mean and then all it becomes you know it, it, when your children have children and they have children and they ask each other why do they keep coming to this tree and they say well this is the sacred site our ancestors created this place for us that's us we <laughs> so we need to go out and just create sacred sites like there's no tomorrow everywhere i mean authentic with tradition with sincerity you know with with heart with with commitment with all those things whatever it is on whatever level even if it's just a corner of your house <laughs> turn it into a sacred altar a sacred site because it'll grow it'll transform it'll escalate it'll right it'll, and other people it'll be contagious you know what i mean it'll spread right and so you got i mean um so i think that's one of the ways that i saw uh about trying to be a solution for this runaway train we're living in right now is to you know be the solution you know that and everybody seems to say that you can't solve problems with the same thinking that created the problems so i would say what you and i are talking about right now is not the typical solution but i do believe it is a good solution as far as we are concerned in this present time and the future especially because we should be, I think you can use that word. We ought to be, we should be. It would behoove us to consider our children's life and our grandchildren's life. I think that matters. And I think that it's going to happen either way. So why not put intention to it? You know what I mean? <laughs> None of us going to survive this journey. Like old Hank Williams used to say, you know, I, I'm, never gonna get out of this world alive <laughs> and so um, why not instead of being a victim of circumstances be a creator or co-creator of your own circumstances start living on people start creating sacred sites start you know telling the truth start <laughs> that's a big one 
And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I noticed, especially in the prison ministry, is how many people feel disrespected, you know. Uh, and so giving people respect and dignity seems to be, even if it's not spoken about, it reaches into a deep place in a lot of people who've really, on some level, all, a lot of the craziness is tied up with them feeling like they've been disrespected and that people don't give them any dignity. You know, they just they mistreat them. They condescend, you know, they they make them feel small and all that and whatever. And sometimes it's, it's not even intentional. It's just the way people talk to each other. Mm. I think and, that, uh, I think, that's a problem, you know. I agree. I think that roots back to the same source that satire expresses itself from and cynicism. It's this, this sort of expression of humanity under uh, consistent generational oppression, you know, what, no matter what uh, race, no matter what background, if you live under a government, you're oppressed to some degree unless you're <laughs> managing that government and I mean, there are uh, exceptions to that, but for the most part, uh, we see that going on. I mean, you, you mentioned the reservations, and for folks who don't know, uh, Native Americans in the United States live under military uh, watch, essentially. I mean, all of these reservations are on military bases or, or run and managed by the federal government with soldiers. So there's sort of like... Even to this day, this war that's going on, and here in New England, uh, they call it King's King Philip's War, but it should be called the first uh, Native American genocide or the first wave of it, uh, because that's really what it is. And it's interesting, you know, some of the stories I've uncovered tell a different story than what we've been given in our school books and storybooks. There's a uh, quite a lot of evidence that shows that the Native Americans that lived here that survived the uh, illnesses and, and survived the battles, they just sort of left and, and coexisted with, uh, you know, people out West until, you know, the, the West was finally won. So there even is a, a whole saga of Native Americans sort of on this underground railroad that we hear so much about, uh, that wasn't just relegated for, you know, slaves from Africa. It was, it was Native Americans as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. I love the solution you, you offer. And it's, it's similar to a friend of the show, Peter Shampoo. He, he's mentioned uh, in the very same vein the need for ceremony and, creating sacred sites and he has a number of ways of doing that uh you know he's primarily uh best known for his work with uh, what he calls the gaia matrix or the arcom matrix which is sort of like a energy grid of the earth it's a earth's expression of energy or magnetic force and he you know commonly they're known as ley lines but he's sort of draws them as uh, these great big circles expanding along various points, almost like a flower flowers from a vine and that vine expands and reaches other places. But uh, I only say that to bring up the fact that he's conducted these ceremonies in Arizona in an attempt to 
bring some rain back to this area that's been droughted for quite a while now. I mean, obviously, the desert can function with very low water, but due to the human presence and you know the cities around these deserts, there's been even less water than there should be. So uh, he's working now to bring rain back into certain mountains and valleys uh, with different ceremonies that he does obviously he'd be the <laughs> the expert on that not me but i'm curious what your thoughts are on that uh it, when we when we go and venture to create these sacred spaces these new sacred spaces which i champion that effort i hope people listening to this show uh, really take this cause up but let's educate them properly on how they might go about doing that do you think it's uh sort of prescriptive in the sense that you know maybe a tremendous amount of rain is great for the desert but washington has plenty of it right so you know it's sort of case by case is there sort of a more general approach to creating a space sacred yeah, well, <clears throat> I think you know it's all good. Whatever, if people want to make a sacred space, I would say this, and this is something to remember, and it, it'd be useful in what we're talking about, but in a lot of other ways. And it's a kind of an equation, and 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 it goes like this: the universe rearranges itself to accommodate our perception of reality. The universe rearranges itself to accommodate our perception of reality. So if our perception of reality is to create a sacred space and to have people honor that sacred space with the protocol that a sacred space deserves, we perceive that in such a way as that becomes the reality, the universe will will conspire to help us do that and be successful with that. Because um, when it's based on these things like stewardship and shepherding and love and the future generations, the universe wants that same dream to come true. The universe don't want to change anything. It likes the way it's all going. <laughs> all these rotations, all these stars, all these planets, they've got their own thing. You know, we're just a dust particle floating through space. You know what I mean? But since everything matters, you know, if you stub your toe, your whole body gets involved. Mm. And so when something happens here on Earth, the whole universe gets involved. And so that's why we believe peace and harmony and balance and, you know, uh, justice and peace and love and consideration, all these wonderful things help the children. You know, there's a lot of tribes that when you meet them, they don't say, hey, how are you doing? They, they greet you and then they go, how are the children? That's their question. And they say that when you tell them, they know everything they need to know about you and your culture. And so the premise is that everything we do should be for the children, because that's the future. And then the children's children, so then they understand the protocol of caring for the children. And so that, to me, is the main thing. 
And in so doing, some of the side effects, some of the accessories, some of the benefits of the dance of life is to have these sacred sites and these ceremonial places and these places for rituals and places for rites of passage. And whatever ideology, whatever reality, whatever, I mean, it can be mycelium, it can be tree roots, it can be the core, it can be minerals, it can be crystals, you know what I mean? It can be medicine drums, it can be didgeridoos. <laughs> There's so many things people use around the world to create this spirit, you know, this consciousness, this transcendence, this beyond the veil kind of mystic, you know, experience uh, with and without the use of plant medicine. And uh, it's all good, you know, there's just like in life, if you think there's not just one kind of spider, there's not just one kind of dog, there's not just one kind of snake, there's not just one kind of person. You know what I mean? We're all needed in all our various facets and what we have to offer. That's why we're here. See, that's what I'm saying, because our lineage was successful. You know, somehow or another, the universe took care of all of these relatives so that we could walk on the earth for a little while. So I think we're all needed. Everybody's poetry is needed. Everybody's music, everybody's hands, everybody's voice. Now, that's for those who understand they're part of the immune system and part of the future and part of the healing and the transformation. There is an infection going around on the level of frequencies and energies and vibrations. You know, and they keep the company of viruses and bacteria and parasites and fungus. And uh, they harbor things like hatred and anger and greed and, you know, and uh, fear. And uh, But that's not the healthy people. That's not the ones uh, that are going to make a difference in the future. That's not who we're talking about. And so, uh, but with a healthy immune system, with enough ceremonies and rituals and love and, you know, and intention, we can heal. And those infections will be healed as well. Mm, it may take time, but that's, we have plenty, Mother Earth has plenty of time. Uh, we don't. <laughs> right. There's a story, you know, about this old guy walking down the road and he looks over there and there's his soul, and I'm going to say he's a, indigenous person. I'm going to say he's Chinese. He's a Chinese laborer, Chinese sculptor, Chinese builder. And he's sitting in a kind of a lotus position on the side of the road. And he has a spoon. And he's digging away at this the wall of this mountain that's sitting in front of him. You know, about shoulder height. He's digging away at that mountain. The guy walked right by him. And then that evening, he's on his way back home, and sure enough, that old fellow was still sitting there, digging away at that mountain with that spoon. And he'd made quite a big hole, right? In eight hours. So the guy said, you know, I have to ask you, he said, what are you doing? And the old fellow said, well, I'm digging a tunnel. <laughs> he said, you're digging a tunnel through that mountain with a spoon? He said, yep. He said, you're never going to finish that in your lifetime. He said, that's not the point. 
we need a tunnel. And so I, I think that um, the, the lifestyles that we're talking about, the way of interacting with the earth, you know, the, the interaction that takes place between humans and all living entities is kind of like that guy. You know, we may not be able to succeed with the dream that we have of a beautiful life on earth for all of our children. We may not see it in our lifetime, but we still need to start it, you know what I mean? So that we plant that seed, you know, all over and over and over and over so that it's a better chance of it growing and maybe it won't be here now, but it'll be here, you know, in the second or third or whatever generation until it takes over because it's here now in some places with some people. And so I'm thinking it's growing. People are starting to remember. As a matter of fact, the old people are are calling this period of time we're moving into the great remembering. They said, you know, some time back we just forgot. And so we're coming out of this great forgetting and moving into this great remembering of what it means to be human and, you know, living on the mother. And... Uh, so that's what I think about that. That's wonderful. I hope we could be a part of that remembering that great remembering. Uh, and yeah, things have been lost. And I'm curious uh, if you could tell us more about your life and your experiences with your grandfather, because there's many of us myself. I mean, I have, one grandfather who's still alive, my other passed away a few years ago, and I've definitely grown as a person through my relationship with those two men, and of course my grandmothers as well, and all the things I've learned from them. Um, but your your grandparents were uh, Creek, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, that's and, right. And I'm curious yeah. what, uh, you know, what they thought about the future and, you know, seven generations and, and how they instilled that into you, you know, like what were they thinking, you know, with their perspective of having lived through the early part of the 20th century and, you know, kind of uh, maybe were a part of this time period of, of forgetfulness or at least, you know, uh, keeping things close to their chest as to not let more things get taken right i mean so much is lost i'm sure many native american tribes to this day feel you know like there's a lot of things they might want to keep to themselves keep safeguarded for their children maybe not for uh, other people to learn i don't know maybe you disagree or what do you think well everything that i've said i mean i I am rapidly becoming my grandfather. And so I think, you know, my whole way of thinking and way of rela relating and interacting, I learned from my grandfather and my grandmother, you know, and I, I hear their voices in my head. I mean, I hear their, I smell them. I mean, I can see them, you know. And so it's like, um, you know, that thing that people say, what would Jesus do? 
I say the same thing, but I say, you know, what would my grandfather do? <laughs> How would my grandfather handle this? You know, and then because I knew what an incredible person he was, then I know what to do. All I had to do is find a way to, uh, you know, interact in that way. And when I do, I wind up realizing what I said earlier, you know, that the universe, in fact, rearranges itself to accommodate our perception of reality. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at actually change. You can see it in some simple ways, and some people will say, you know, all of a sudden they want to buy a new car and they're thinking about getting a Jeep. All of a sudden they see them everywhere. And so if somebody says, I want to do so-and-so, and they don't think about it, next thing, you know, I mean, even today, if you say something, all of a sudden you look on your phone and there'll be a hundred dads for the very thing you were just thinking about or talking about. I mean, it's really weird. I mean, how AI has gotten involved in that aspect of our process. But so I say, you know, keep it real. And um, so you want to have a world like what we're talking about, then you have to God, everybody says it. You have to be the change you want to see in the world. You have to be fearless. You have to be absolutely fearless. And, um, you know, and the, uh, what I tell uh, my children is that love is the healer and forgiveness is the medicine. And uh, just keep living like that. And whatever everybody else is doing, whatever history says, whatever the future holds in store, if you're standing on this rock and you are in love, that's your best shot at an awesome outcome. <laughs> you know, just keep on, you know, um, keep on being human and, and wanting to be a better human every day. That's the only, that's the only way that I can see that we're going to come out of this uh, in a way that's going to be um, beneficial for the children. Right. Now, yeah. when it comes to direct action, you are involved in the cause of clean water and, and taking initiative there. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you mentioned earlier, you, you said that you, you specifically chose the place you live because of the uh, Conestoga River. Uh, and I, I think that's sort of funny, you know, considering uh, what we're talking about with words and language, because up here you might be familiar with the Conestoga River, and I'm, I'm sure there's maybe a connection to the similarity of those words, maybe the pe mm -hmm. people. Should. I wouldn't be surprised because a lot of people thought the same way. See, once upon a time, even though there were so many variations and cultures and languages and such, on the heart of the matter, if you um, were to be able to get inside everybody's heart, they all felt this close, incredible relationship with the earth. Mm. Everybody shared that. And so even though they may have had differences in you know, how that was expressed, that you know regalia and dance and whatnot the uh, the heart of the matter was the same right well and, and so that's what i think for and imagine you know in the area you lived in the the lenape and the onondaga and the oneida and all those people up there they lived there for over twelve thousand years before uh contact you know in 1492 
And so you can only imagine they knew all the songs, they knew all the trees, they knew, they knew all the rocks, they knew the rivers, the animals, they knew everything. They knew what the seasons were going to bring, they knew how to, they, I mean, you can only, 12,000 years. Okay, the United States, what, we're 200 years and we've just about destroyed the place. And so you got to think, I don't know, you can say, well, I don't know if we could do what they did. Well, if you wanted to live 12,000 years, you could, because <laughs> that's how you do it. You know, you have to give and take. You have to be a shepherd. You have to be a steward. You have to care for the water, care for the animals, care for the trees. That's what humans, I think, were put here for, was to be shepherds and stewards and give care to the place. Right. Like, like you know, medicine people. We have medicine. We have hands. We have thoughts. We can do things that other things can't do. And uh, I think that was where we went astray, was when we stopped being those kinds of people and started getting into this, what a lot of people used to call the rat race. <laughs> and then my friend said, you know, problem with the rat race it doesn't matter if you win or lose you're still a rat you know <laughs> right absolutely absolutely yeah yeah it's 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 definitely a precarious position to be in and and now you know we have this definition of medicine man that in the modern tongue is so different than how you are describing it in this sort of primordial beauty that it is uh, you you see people sort of associating the that term medicine man with uh you know ma magic and conjuring and uh, i think this is a byproduct of you know more of the 19th century culture if anything but um what do you think of that i mean people like the the QAnon shaman as he was called at january 6th you know this sort of uh young person who adopts the uh sort of superficial qualities of this archetype do you think there's uh something larger going on here i mean, i've heard a, a prophecy that kind of goes like uh you know one day your your people will come into the forest and grow their hair long like we have you know this sort of uh, i think it was fire eyes or someone and i'm obviously uh paraphrasing that prophecy is much more detailed than that but you know what what are your thoughts on this sort of modern um capitulation this uh, depiction of of native culture at least uh, in the the popular culture well, you know, it's what I'm what I'm struggling with here is hypothesis. You know, involved in envisioning something, a dream. If we understand that, really, all we have is this moment. Everything, even when we started this conversation, is history. The next moment over and over and over is always the next moment you you know you on an emotional on a on a gut feeling on a destiny kind of level and i'm not talking about many manual and mundane chores and things like that i'm just talking about how you relate to the world and how you relate to love and how you relate to compassion and those kinds of things and so those are going to be the keystone 
of the decisions you make. You know, if you're a loving person, you make loving decisions, you know. If you're a hateful person, you make hateful decisions. <laughs> Seems to be that way. So uh, what I'm suggesting is that, you know, as you go through these uh, traumas and dramas and comedic situations and romances and whatnot that life has to offer, is to do it in a loving way, be respectful, be dignified, give it, give your relationship dignity, give your relationship the respect it deserves for all the ancestors it took for two people to come together in the first place. And so, uh, you know, just honor the process and just keep going that one step again. You don't dance to arrive at a destination. You dance to enjoy every step of the way. So life seems to be, you know, one day at a time, you know, you never know the future. I mean, the future is not promised. We don't ever know. I had a fellow come see me one time, you know, and he says, Tom, I came to see you. Somebody told me you had medicine. I said, okay, what can I do for you? He said, well, I've got prostate cancer and I've been given six months to live. And I've been all over the place and I've talked to every kind of doctor you could think of. And he says, and uh, you're my last resort. Uh, of course, that made me feel good. And then he said, uh, what can you do for me these other doctors haven't done for me? I said, well, by all appearances, I'll be your best friend until your untimely demise. You want to go to the movies, you want to go fishing, you want to go shoot some pool, you want, you, know, you want to hang out, you want to go for a hike, you want to go forage, I'll be right there with you. He said, I don't like the sound of that. He said, my untimely demise. And I said, well, you're the one that told me you had six months to live. I'm just, you know, feeding that back to you. He said, well, I don't want to die in six months. I said, well, then don't. <laughs> he said you don't understand and I said I don't know if I do or not I said I, you know we're all going to have to leave sooner or later you know what I mean it's like you can't stay here forever how do you want to leave and he said ah, and so he just got furious and he said well I'm going to live the next six months like you know searching for answers and I and he said what do you think about that? And I said, well, I think you ought to spend the next six months, you know, looking for the heart of Saturday night. You know what I mean? <laughs> Find the love. And he, he didn't get it. He didn't understand. He didn't want to go there. So he left my, you know, my loft that was in New York. He left my loft and he went down onto Lafayette Street in Houston got hit by a cab, killed him instantly. So he didn't have six months. He had about 15 minutes. You never know. You know what I mean? It's just shocking. I mean, it was like I was just totally stunned. I heard the noise outside. I look out the window and see everybody out there. I'm thinking, that's the guy he just left, and he was all angry. He probably wasn't looking where he's going or something. I mean, who knows? And so... But I've had all of these references throughout this journey that indicate to me that the, the most beautiful uh, course of action 
is to fall in love as soon as possible and express that love in every way you can with whoever you're with and wherever you are. <laughs> and uh, everything will be in a place of love. You can't miss, you know, you, something beautiful will happen. And don't worry about the ones that don't make it. Don't worry about the ones that don't understand. Don't worry about what happened a year ago or what's going to happen tomorrow. Just be in that moment where balance and fairness and love and justice and respect and compassion and dignity are alive and well inside of you. And so uh, and carry that with you. That's that's the part of you that will become fearless. You know what I mean? You'll just be like... Uh, one of those Marvel heroes, <laughs> Iron Man, you know, whatever. So, uh, but, you know, once upon a time in an indigenous culture, you'd be a hero. You'd be Crazy Horse. You know, you'd be Tecumseh. You know, you'd be a legend, you know, uh, because you were such an awesome, fearless person. And you always wanted to do the right thing. And you always was you know, uh, wanted justice before peace. So, I, mean, I think those ancestors can come alive through us because we're going to be ancestors too. We'll be joining all the ancestors that created the motivation for us to be the best ancestors we know how to be. You know what I'm saying? And so when people are in ceremony 200 years from now, they'll be honoring our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a sweet thing. Everybody benefits. When anybody feels good, everybody feels good. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems like it, it was easy to forget for me for some periods in my life and starting this podcast, boy did I feel it and maybe uh the responsibilities of life have weighed down on me a bit. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely recognize where I need to uh, strive for that and thrive for that, you know. And I think everybody, wherever they are in this present moment, should take a moment and reflect and just think, you know, what, are you doing what you can uh, to live to your highest potential, in other words? Yeah. You should tell the truth. Right on. Now, well, my friend, brother, I'm going to have to uh, go ashore. Of course. Yeah, I didn't want to keep you too much longer here. Uh, before you go, folks can check out your website, Earth's, earthkeepersco.org. Now, I, I tell you, we're, we're right in the middle of, of, of uh, I mean, there is a website up. It's not down right now, but it's, it's not... Um, I'm having an issue with uh, one of the platforms, but it's onetribetrading.com. Okay. That's our product, our herbal products. Then earthkeepersco.org is our nonprofit website, which is all of these websites now, even though they're up, are being, uh, we have a um, webmaster now working on redesigning and rearranging them because, you know, they're, God, they're like 10 years old. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, you know, you 
for coming to our website. It's like going into an assisted living situation. <laughs> oh, man. Well, some people like me appreciate the nostalgia of some of these older websites. But, no, I understand. Well, But, the- but we're losing a lot of people, you know, because some of the people are calling me and saying, you know, I tried this credit card. I tried that credit card. And nothing oh. worked, you know, and they wouldn't take it. And they... So I blessed bless your heart for calling me because how many people didn't call me? You know what I mean? So I'm saying we got to get this fixed because this is some of this information, you know, just. Well, I'll tell you what, it's good that we covered that here now. So people listening, they can maybe just go there and check things out. And I'll tell you what, you send me that link when it's uh, ready to go. And I'll be sure to mention it on a future show and put that new link in the description for anyone listening in the future because this episode will exist for you know potentially as long as the internet does so hopefully within the next few months you get that solved and if people are listening in that you know future time in that present moment that is the ever expanding now well they'll they'll get that new website right there in the the description so well as i'm saying now one tribe trading.com one tribe trading.com is up they go Go to that website. They can see all of the products. Of, well, most of them. Right on. And yep. and if they're interested in finding out any more information about Earthkeepers and what we do, because we're in you know a bunch of countries right now, is to um, contact me. There's a contact email on there, and my phone number's on there, so they could call me or email me, and then we can uh, proceed. Wonderful, and I hope they do. Like I said, folks, that's in the description and. Uh, and yeah, just update me. Obviously, you, you might keep that same URL, but yeah, just let me know when the, the website is. I will. I will. Is, I appreciate you, and thank you so much for inviting me on this. Of course. Of course. On this conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Tom Blue Wolf, thank you so much, sir. And, and I hope to have you back on in, in the future someday. But uh, until next time, folks listening, thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. Wow, what an incredible conversation with Tom Blue Wolf. Uh, Like he said, his website will be updated soon. In the meantime, check out his YouTube channel. It looks like he hasn't posted in a while, and maybe if he sees some love on the YouTube channel, he'll post again. Uh, But otherwise, I hope to have him back on the show soon. Here's a word from our sponsor. Adventure Awaits. And let's talk about some tools that'll help you feel alive. Flowblend.com. That's flowblend.com. It's nicotine, tobacco, and THC free. But what it's rich in is CBD. That's right, CBD. And a lot more. We've got stoked CBD, caffeine, L-theanine, and Siberian ginseng. Not to mention their great variety of flavors as well as a whole brand of nootropics. What are nootropics? Nootropics enhance mental clarity, they sharpen focus, and help stave off mental fatigue. That's right, pay attention. Flow Blend can help you. Not only is it a great boost, but it will help you kick those nasty habits to the curb. That's right, no more snus, no more tobacco pouches. Save your gums before it's too late. Save your teeth, your lips, before it's too late. You can even help kick those smoking cravings. That's flowblend.com. Go and check out their wide variety 
of flavors to choose from and make sure you use the promo code crazy to save 20% off your total at checkout. That's promo code crazy at checkout. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. Alright friends, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I have a very special announcement. There are two new, brand new articles on the Substack. Go over to myfamilythinksomecrazy.substack.com and check them out today. And another thing friends, go to the Rockfin. We've got videos, we've got all the video content in one place and it's not just this show. Sam Tripoli's show, Eddie Bravo's show, and many of the amazing guests who have been on this show, including my friend Juan, have a Rockfin channel. So for just one price, $9 a month, you can get all of that. And be sure to sign up by clicking on our Rockfin page. We get a little bonus when you sign up directly through us. And you don't have to stay only watching just this content. You can check out everything on Rockfin for just one price. It's like it's like Netflix. It's just like Netflix. Except there's not some kind of CIA evil genius choosing what programming you have to watch. You choose it yourself. Rockfin.com. Go figure. As well, friends, we've got another amazing way that you can get more out of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. That's right. More out of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. If your family thinks you're crazy, you probably need to learn a thing or two, uh, like shut up and stop telling all your family uh, your crazy thoughts. It's not for them. Make some friends. Sign up on the Patreon. and You get access to our exclusive Telegram channel where you could talk to lunatics like me, uh, like my friend Rob, uh, like TR, like Kent Woods, uh, like Troy, uh, Jake Loco, his name literally means crazy. So join us there on the Patreon. It's not just Telegram. It's not just the uh, Telegram chat. We do a monthly Patreon Zoom meeting every 22nd of the month, and I'd love to see you there. Come and chat about the months of podcasts, the month of podcasts, whatever it was that month that you listened to that you want to talk about it doesn't even have to be an episode of this show it could be any podcast uh, join us on the patreon zoom party and let's chat let's get to know each other and if you really want to talk one-on-one sign up for the synchro wisdom dialogue that's a chance for you and i to do a podcast together so what are you waiting for i'm right here i'm going to be podcasting uh you should sign up and get with it and uh, <clears throat> speaking of friends, you're all so wonderful for tuning into this episode. We've got some amazing guests on the horizon. My friend Lauren Jeffries, another man named Jeff Harmon, and a, another guest who's returning to the show for his third time. So you can go and guess who that will be. As for now, if you want to get any content early you can find it on the patreon or the rockfin actually did an interview on the farm with michael wan and recluse where we talked about our recent trip to rose valley some of that was written about on my Substack. 
So friends, please go sign up there, support this show, and continue listening to the My Family Picks of Crazy podcast. And I'll continue publishing three episodes a week. That's right, three episodes a week. Yes, there are ads. So you know what? Skip the ads. You know, we'll never do that dynamic ad crap, but we are going to have sponsors, great sponsors like flowblend.com. And if you don't like hearing that, interrupting your conversation, interrupting your podcast that you listen to every week, well, sign up on Patreon. You get more out of the My Family Picks Some Crazy podcast and less of what you don't want to hear. As for me, I got to give a big shout out to my friend at hitkit.us that's right hitkit.us sent me a custom hit kit recently it's a really cool way for me to keep my blunts safe when i'm going on the road when tara and i go for a walk or a hike the lighter the blunts the joints they're all right there in one place so check out a hit kit use the promo code crazy to get a discount while you're at it, consider picking up an aqua cure. If you're going to be smoking as much as I do, you want to take care of your lungs. And one good way to do that is with the aqua cure. And you can use the promo code MFTIC to get a very substantial discount on your aqua cure purchase. What is an aqua cure, you ask? Well, an aqua cure, uh, it bubbles water with this hydrogen gas, Brown's gas, that's incredibly healthy. You don't have to drink it. You could just plug it right into your nose and breathe it in. If you haven't heard, go and check out my interview with Dr. George Wiseman. He is a very, very interesting gentleman. Um, and he was on this podcast, episode 198. So go and check that out. All right, friends. Thank you so much for being here in 2023. I hope I see you on the Patreon. And until next time, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. great job even yeah. though he drives me fucking nuts yeah. sometimes he's great no he's done a great job he's done a great job good job mark you can call uh me mark palmer mark palmer's cool mark palmer's it's a beautiful day to be alive motherfuckers it's a beautiful day beautiful day it's a beautiful day to be alive that's all i gotta say i don't think it's about money i think they have so much it's just about it's a spiritual war, dude. It's so much farther. There's more power with spring flowers than pseudo-intellectuals filled by hate with the face sour. When it comes to the hour of reckoning, recollect, reconnect with days happening. Yeah, are you frowning or laughing? Are you making the brain or barely passing? Caught in the asinine like the afterlife. Obsessed with darkness after you master light. Cause it's faster than a blink. When it's a bastard, latch to the clank, clang. The money don't mean a damn thing. Think happiness ain't coming from the bank, dang. I'm out here daydreaming. The spirit's the egg, the self is the semen. Uh, and that's cause life is the child. And it takes a village to give it the inner style. So, if your family think you crazy, mm, and you ain't got a village, no, you always got a place here. Come kick it, we chillin'. Exactly, dude. You get it, bro. You're so smart, everybody. You're so smart. Feel like I'm waking up for the first time. Crusty's on my third eye, but I'm back to the grind. 
Pop the blinds open, let the sun shine Feel it on my skin like it's been sometimes Sometimes, depression got me flaking like Sisyphus Others got me messing with mania like Icarus And meditation helps with the sickness Some say it's human condition, but it just isn't There's more power in spring flowers The circular thoughts that leave the mind devoured Blurred lines between reality and fiction And some politicians get dirtier than dishes But for a minute just forget about the government I'm looking at you and I and where the love went Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't And your family think you crazy Yeah And you ain't got a village I know you always got a place here Come kick it, we chillin', yeah I'm a conspiracy boy I'm a conspiracy boy Mark Palmer's cool. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. How are you?